Hey everyone, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 62. Today I'm speaking with Eyal Feldman, co-founder and CEO of Stamply, a company that makes it easier and faster to get your invoices paid. We discuss how Stamply can benefit your business, how Eyal is managing his team during the coronavirus outbreak, and why startups should focus on the mid-market before the enterprise. Enjoy. I'm here with Eyal Feldman, the co-founder and CEO at a company called Stamply, which helps companies with their invoices. It doesn't sound very sexy, but it's actually a very important uh, element of your business, which we'll get into. But Eyal, thank you for uh, for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi. Yeah. So uh, let's let's start this off the way I like to start it off with. Uh, let's let's give the audience a little bit about uh, background about who you are and what you do on a day to day basis. All right. So I'm uh, Eyal, as you just said. Uh, I'm uh, originally coming from Israel, where we started the company. I'm uh, raising. Uh, Three gorgeous kids, which I enjoy even more now when we're uh, home in shelter, <laughs> and uh, Stamply, which is my, my my fourth baby. Oh wow! Congrats! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, 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 like three kids plus plus a business. That's got to be a lot to handle. What what does your day to day look like? So yeah, it's uh, I, I'm starting quite early in the morning and uh, taking you know making making a, actually the lunch for my kids together with them, dropping them in school, going to work. Uh, and then uh, our office is in uh, Mountain View here in California. We have one office here, one in Israel. So I would probably work the, the full day in the office uh, here in uh, California, go back home, uh, have another hour with the kids before putting them to sleep. And then the next shift starts where I work uh, with the Israeli team, uh, which are 10 hours uh, away from us. And that's that's my uh, daily routine. How, how long do you spend working with the Israeli team uh, before you call it a day and you go to bed? So it, it, it really depends. It's less uh, structured than the work here uh, with, with the U.S. team. It really depends on, you know, what's what's on stake for today. And who I need to talk to, and 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 how long? But it's it's not it's not every day the same. So some days mm -hmm. it can be very short, some days it can be longer. It really depends. Gotcha. What what do you find? Uh, you know, as as an aside, what do you find most exciting about when you know when you wake up and you start your day? What are you most excited about? Looking at my kids, you mm -hmm. know, seeing the smile of the morning. Feeling, you know, the, the warmth of the family and uh, getting excited for the things that are coming today. And when it comes to Stamply, the, the, the beautiful thing is that when I'm, uh, because things are kind of running around the clock, you know, both in uh, Israel and here, we have a lot of people because we're in California and we're also serving the East Coast. So we have people that start to work really early. So the difference from the first days when it was only, we were only few people were, I, I would wake up panicking of, okay, what what was waiting for me from the night? Now it's like knowing that there is a whole system that is working and uh, and, and performing. This is uh, actually a lot of fun. And yeah, then it's, jumping it's a lot in less uh, anxiety-ridden, I would imagine. It's maybe maybe you still ha you obviously still have some stress involved, but it's it, you know having a team around you always seems to, especially when it's a good team, right? It, it makes it, it makes your life yeah. a, a lot simpler. Absolutely. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's it's a world of difference. Uh, I I used to wake up. I I just I remember at the beginning. I used to wake up and I was like, oh, you know, just taking a breath of what happened in the night that I didn't know. You know, it's just figuring out what just happened or what happened, and it's 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 uh, yeah, it's a different stage. Yeah, definitely. I, like I, I remember. I... Yeah, I remember when I was building Kaya, which was an analytics company I started uh, in 2014. Um. In the, especially in the early days, I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, I hope nothing's broken. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I totally, I totally get that. Let's, let's shift gears. Let's talk a little bit why you started the business, uh, Stamply in the first place. What inspired you? Did, were you facing a problem, uh, that you wanted to solve or how did you get into this, uh, this business? I always had the passion to, to build something. I, I, I kind of look at taking an idea and realizing it. Uh, a little bit like some kind of form of art. Uh, so it's it's for me to take an idea and, and to, to build it and to have a company around it and to have everybody aligned, making making that happen. That's something I'm very passionate about and it was my dream to do that. Uh, and, and I also had a very strong passion to simplifying business processes with technology. And it's something I've been dealing with with all, 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 all my career. And, you know, just putting the user at the center and not just the task. I think it's something that in, in business application w- was not done a lot. And, I, I, you know, there are a lot of opportunities. There were always a lot of opportunities there and there still are. So, you know, I just combining the two together for me was an amazing opportunity. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, I just decided to go and do that. It took me some time, and but then eventually I got the courage, and I just went and did it, and it's very satisfying. Absolutely, I I, f- I found the same to be true for me. What what was I, I guess you, you mentioned you found the courage. What was it that you know uh, enabled you to kind of to start this business, or that that gave you the courage to start it? So there is, is there actually there is there is yeah there is there is actually you know there's the sentence that 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 people say that people. In their on their deathbed, you know, before they say goodbye to the world, they they never regret their failures. They only regret the things they never had the courage to try. And I don't know. Somehow this sentence really touched me. It's it's because uh, because the reason you don't do that is because you're afraid of the failure. People mm-hmm. are afraid to fail. And I was also afraid, of course, because you know you you see all the risks and everything that can go wrong, but. I had that need so strong inside of me, and and eventually I said, okay, um, if I fail, I fail. I don't care. I just need to do that because if I don't do that, I'm gonna keep on thinking about why I didn't do that and if I did that. So I just throw myself to the water and I learn to swim. <laughs> so that yeah, yeah. That, that, that you know, I I found that to be true as well. And I haven't spoken to many other entrepreneurs and founders over the years definitely uh is such an important part of being of being one right is is being is having that courage to realize that it's okay to fail um right. you know and 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 like you said i i failed i i wake up every day and i you know i thinking that something could go wrong something could fail um right. you know it, you never know right what could happen but ultimately you know, the reason you start a company is because you, I, I found is you have to be passionate about the problem you're solving uh, in order to be able to, to ride that roller coaster. Absolutely. 
it's it's harder than you think at the beginning even if at the beginning when you think if you have the courage or not you don't even completely know what you need the courage for so you need to have something that you really feel strongly about in order to keep going that's really really important but i think also the initial step is 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 hard so just to make that that jump and understanding that it's not about not being afraid because you know people think that the people that have courage are just people that are not afraid i think it's actually the opposite it's 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 acknowledging that you're afraid and just accepting it and dealing with it and 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 i think that's the first important step and then of course you need to be very passionate about what you're doing because the the, the downs can be very hard to go through and you need to strongly believe in what you're doing and 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 there, there are always moments where everybody around you don't think that you're maybe doing the right thing or you know or whatever it is and you need to to keep on going because you you strongly believe and and that's hard as well but my feeling is that once you made the decision and you jumped into the water you're going to swim you're not going to drown right you're going to keep yourself floating so and 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 that's and that works no absolutely it definitely works and i think you know, you really, every day, you know, especially early on, like you were mentioning, could be a struggle to, to survive, if you will. But, you know, you're, you, if, you know, you have to be a fighter and you have to kind of fight through that and see and kind of see what's on the other end of that, you know, rainbow, if you will. Right. Um, we're exactly we're we're you know, you'll find a way to keep yourself afloat um, so that way you can push forward. Right. And I think that's super important. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So let let's let's change it up. Let's. I, I want to talk about Stamply still a little bit, but um, give us an idea of like how how Stamply works, what types of businesses your product works for, works best for. Uh, you know, how are people using your product? Yeah, Stamply is is helping companies with managing their the invoices they get from their vendors, right? So you started by saying it doesn't sound like the sexiest thing. It's, it's actually quite funny because when we have today, uh, when I do the orientation for new employees that are coming, like my, I have like a 15 minute uh, meeting with them. And I think my first or my second slide is like, now I'm going to tell you why invoices are the sexiest thing you ever heard about, and you didn't know that until today. <laughs> and 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 I think that's 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 really true because if you think about it, the 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 B2B world, the way companies do businesses with other companies, it's it's invoices are the object that facilitate that, that makes it happen. It's the it's the language of B2B business, and it has uh, you know it's 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 a very it's a very it's a process that people don't realize how deep it goes but essentially at the end of the day our customers have this department in accounting that gets these invoices out of nowhere and they get it out of nowhere for a reason because they are in charge to make sure that there's no fraud that you know they are the last gateway before payment and they're disconnected from from the process on purpose so there is no more potential for fraud and now these people which are so disconnected they need to verify that this invoice is actually legit, that that's what we ordered, these were the terms, someone actually received it. And there is all this back and forth that is happening between them and the rest of the organization and people outside the organization, the vendor themselves. And if you if you think about it, what they spend most of their time is collaborating with a lot of people that not 
necessarily want to collaborate back with them because they're busy with other stuff and that makes their their work even harder and what we're doing with Stamply is that we take the invoice and we simply turn that invoice into a communication tool so now this small department that needs to verify the invoice can communicate with the people that actually had something to do with with that acquisition you know with that purchase and or actually receive that purchase and they can talk with them and ask them did you get it uh, was it okay or are these the terms that that you agreed on so we allow them to run it by a conversation or by just connecting to other systems that can provide that information and this collaboration by itself this is the core of of, of what we're doing because this is the core of the process and we let everybody have that that discussion around the invoice on top of the invoice and then we're we're adding a lot of very nice bells and whistles around machine learning that recognize patterns and help them predict next steps and 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 push the next step we are taking care of all the integration back to their uh, back-end systems erps accounting systems purchasing systems whatever they work with and we just make it much easier and also much more fun for them and for the rest of the organization and, and and the last point there, which I think is 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 interesting, and uh, is that you know this is it's it's a problem that is managed by a small team in the organization, but when we look at the data, we see that only four to five percent of our users are actually from accounting, the the the, the, the people that bought the system. Ninety five percent of our users are everybody else in the organization, and giving these people the right tools, that the intuitive tools, the tools that make them want to cooperate with this small team is what makes it successful. So you mentioned the use of AI and machine learning, uh, which is super interesting to right. me. Uh, how, how exactly is that being implemented within your system? Is it like in the sense that if, if you have a recurring invoice that, you know, it, it kind of picks up on that and it'll, it'll and, and making it easier to, to pay it or to be paid um, or, or what's the, what, yeah. how does that work? So, so there, there are several areas where we, we identify the patterns and we help the users. It starts with understanding the invoice itself. So historically, what you would have done in order to read an invoice and understand an invoice, you would have to train a system to learn that invoice. We, instead of training, what we're doing, we're, we're actually picking up the data and we're training it automatically. So first part is getting the data out of the invoice. The second part, is what we call how the organization interpreted that invoice internally. So that refers to, for example, who are the people that need to look at that invoice? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's quite hard for that small team to identify who is the person that actually received the goods or the services that are on that invoice. And we help them with that based on historical data. And, and another part is understanding how to code that invoice because one of the things that is done for each invoice is that it's been uh, tagged and categorized into certain expenses that later on are reflected in your financial accounting and managerial accounting reports. And that requires a lot of internal knowledge of, okay, this is a marketing expense, but it's a marketing expense that I want to allocate to that specific department. And we are learning that from the, from the history and we are proposing that allocation for you. So we save you a lot of time and, and, and eliminate a lot of the errors and we learn as you go. So if it changes, we learn as it changes and then we are helping you keep that, uh, keep that uh, the right way and the way it should be in your financial accounting systems eventually. So, and, and also things like, you know, 
identifying invoices which look suspicious, identifying invoices uh, which are not doesn't uh, make sense, you know, compared to other invoices, similar invoices. So there are a lot of things that that you can do when it comes to that process with with machine learning and AI. Do you have any uh, stats or information about regarding the number like the number of fraud invoices or fake invoices, you know, that are sent to companies that you guys have uh, identified? Is it cause that's an aside? I'm just curious because it, I feel like I mean, I feel like that 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 companies probably do get a bunch of these, but maybe, you know, this is kind of uh, limited the uh, the exposure to that. Yeah, so so there are, there are uh, there are several issues that 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 we see, and I, I think it's less about the percentage; it's more about you know it's enough that it's one invoice like that, and it's millions of dollars, and and, and yeah. it's a huge problem. Uh, there was a famous story of uh, invoice fraud that was done with with Google and and with some of the tech giants that someone stole from the millions of dollars just with with fake invoices. So it's it's a very big problem. Uh, big part of it is that some of it is is many times related to internal fraud and and also there are errors errors of duplicate invoices uh and people that pay twice and don't even notice that and then it takes a lot of time to to recover that that money and unfortunately these are these things happen a lot they're very common uh they happen to every organization i don't think there is a single organization that doesn't face that kind of uh situations and and yeah, we're helping them in many ways. Um, some of them through the technology, and some of them through uh, the, the ability to to put in a process that eliminate this kind of errors or kind of mistakes. Yeah, definitely. So you, we we mentioned almost at the top of the podcast that we're we're both at we're both at home right now, working from home uh, due to the coronavirus. You your company um, has. Multiple locations, as you mentioned again earlier, also uh, in Mountain View in California, and also in uh, in Tel Aviv in Israel. In Tel Aviv, how, yeah, yeah. How 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 are you guys uh, uh, and your team managing your teams during this per, per, uh, period of time during while we're while we're all stuck at home? So yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely a, a huge challenge for everybody. I th- I think as an organization we were very ready for that. Uh, one reason is because we are we, we have a, a big team in Israel and Israel is a country that known uh, crises in the past and and part of our business continuity we had to get ready for that and we always looked at that as a real thing that can happen because it does happen especially in Israel from time to time. Yep. Uh, so, so we were kind of ready for that with procedures, and we could very quickly move everybody remotely. But still, it's a challenge. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge, uh, uh, and and for people with kids, it's definitely a challenge for also for people that are by by themselves. And what what we're doing, and what I've learned that works the best is first of all, as fast as possible, to make things as normal as possible again. Uh, helping people find their equilibrium, you know, in, in, in how they now can continue to do what they did before, but from home. And if, if you get there really, really fast, then, you know, productivity is high, high and, and, and people can start to think about the opportunities and the challenges that come from, from the situation. And I think we've done it really, really well. We're, we're, we're adding some things to the normal 
dailies and the normal meetings, things like today, for example, we have our all hands meeting for the US and we always did it over lunch. So we just sent a, a Grubhub ticket for everybody, all the employees, and they're all going to get lunch and we're going to have a, a Zoom video with everybody together over lunch today. So we're doing this kind of initiatives and we're also doing all the, you know, some other initiatives around the meetings and the ongoing meetings using a lot of collaboration tools, using Slack a lot now. Uh, we always did, but you know, now it's, it's even more helpful when everybody's uh, on their home. And I must say that I'm, I'm very proud of, of our employees because it, it feels like we are almost on 100% productivity even though nobody's in the office. Uh, so we're very fortunate. Yeah, that's always great to hear. And I, 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 like, I like your point about kind of keeping things as normal as possible. And I think and I think and I think the the Grubhub uh, coupon for you know ordering lunch and and keeping your meeting at the same on the same schedule if you know so to speak uh, just everyone's doing the yeah. same thing that they normally do but from from home definitely is a really good idea because it keeps people in their routine, right? So and yeah. that's I I found that to be always helpful because when you Whenever, you know, even when there's not a pandemic going on, right, you know, if you get knocked out of a routine, even if it's just going to the gym, sometimes it's difficult to get back into it, right? So um, Absolutely. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and I must say that it works really great. I, I, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, I always thought it might happen, you know, uh, on one side, on one office, but when it happens, it actually happened at once in all our offices. We also have one office in Ukraine, and they're on the same situation there. Isn't it amazing that all the world is going through the same thing? It's insane. It's like, really insane. It's amazing, huh? <laughs> yeah. It, it's insane. It's it's really insane. But it, it it feels like it kind of bring everybody together. You know, it's like uh, I think there are some there are some good points. Yeah. No, absolutely. I wanna I wanna talk also a little bit about how you're. You know, structuring your day. Obviously, you're not taking your kids to school uh, as you normally do. So, yeah. and and you still have to work at home too. So your kids are at home. Any 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 tips in terms of managing that? You know, kids and work at the same time. How are you doing that? How are you structuring your days? I think on on it's it's really a different problem for every family it depends on what they're dealing with do they have kids don't they have kids how old are the kids so I, I can say that in 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 my situation my personal situation it's it's it just requires a lot of juggling and it required us to try to bring some structure into our life home right now so we did uh, we, we actually set a family meeting every evening with the kids I have young kids they're like five seven and one and we, we had a family meeting with an agenda of how we set the agenda for the days, uh, the next day. <laughs> and we let the kids have the responsibility to actually put an agenda. Uh, you know, one is teaching the other something or, or whatever it is. And that, that's been kind of helpful. First day, they ignored completely the agenda that they built. <laughs> uh, second, second day, they again ignored it completely. But now it starts to, to happen and they're more active in helping. And they understand that, you know, both uh, mommy and I have to work. <laughs> and and it, it works. It works much better. I must say that after the second day, I said, oh, my God, this is no way I can do that. And today we're a week into that, and I can say that I can definitely see how I, I can handle that for a while. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. Everyone has a different situation going on. But I figured, you know, with especially with young kids and, and parents working from home, you know, uh, any 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 advice that, you know, could be provided. And I think that's good advice, like setting a schedule and talking about routine like before and setting an agenda for what you want yeah. to accomplish in that day. Um, you know, I think kudos to you and your, and your wife for sticking with that. Even the first even though the first two days seem like a failure, right? You still stuck with it. Yeah. And, and, and got your kids on board. Um, and they, they eventually, be, you know, came on board. So I, I think that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with that kind of founder mentality, right? Keeping yourself afloat. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And 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 the good news, and and, and if some of the audience, uh, it's helpful for them, is that if you persist with that, it, it seems like after a few days, it starts to work, and and the kids get used to the situation, and and they understand, and you know, they they also see the value of being together. Because it, it takes time. I think, I think what's hard for everybody is always the change. It's mm. th- these moments of change where you still try to stick to what was there yesterday and you don't want to accept the change. But once you accept it, then, then, then you can go and you can continue. And I think that's the key for everything that's going on right now. Definitely. Let's talk about engineering and engineer and hiring engineers a little bit. Uh, you recently doubled the size of your engineering team within a six-month uh, period. Uh, yeah. First first question, how did you do that? Like, uh, you know, the, you guys obviously had a hiring plan and you went to go fill it, but finding a, a, finding engineers is hard uh, these days, especially yeah. in Cali. Uh, how, did, how did you go about doing that? So our, our engineering team is completely in Tel Aviv. We have uh, all the customer-facing operations are here in uh, California, and all the engineers are, are back in Israel. So uh, I, I must give all the credit to the team in Israel for doing that and doing that well. What I can share is that it's, it's, uh, it's much more than hiring the people, and hiring the people is a huge challenge, uh, both, by the way, in Tel Aviv and here. It's quite similar. But I think what's more complex is the level of, complexity that you start to get in your code as you have more people joining in. Now everybody's talking about exponentially when they talk about the coronavirus. I think the same thing happens in in level of complexity when you add more people uh, to to building your code. And and that requires a lot of thoughts around middle management and processes. And sometimes it doesn't fit everybody. Some people like to be more like the hackers that they used to be when we were in the garage. And then they have to get used to, you know, doing that where you have to integrate with many more people and check and understand the impact of what you're doing. Because it's very easy to, to break something as, as you have more and more people coming in. And and so there are a lot of challenges around that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we had on uh, Peter Pizaris. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or his company. He, he's building a company called CodeStream, and they essentially mm-hmm. what the product is is essentially what you were referring to in the sense that as you bring in more engineers to work on the code, uh, it becomes a lot more complicated because everyone has contributed different things, and they've built a system that integrates with different, um, you know, multiple different, I guess, editors and things like that where you can comment in. And it, the comment appears, uh, you know, to everyone. And he's, it looks like a really great system. We had him on. He was talking about it. It was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And I think that you hit the nail on the head, though, that 
because you know hiring a great deal of uh, people at once, especially you know one type engineers at once, and bringing them all in and getting them all up to speed on on everything, yeah, uh, has to be quite yeah. quite a, quite a lot of work. So how how did you go uh, go about streamlining that? Do you have any tips in terms of that? Uh, I I think it's it's something that you you first need to acknowledge. And again, in the spirit of, of what's going on now with, with the coronavirus, you know, everybody's speaking about the fact that people's mind can't grasp exponentially or what exponentially means. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things running right now in the Internet explaining what's exponentially and why it's hard for our brain to even understand that. So I think I think first is acknowledging that this is happening and and trouble going to come faster than you expect and in a much larger scale than you expect. So by acknowledging that you start to think how to solve for that. So of course there are solutions in place, but there is also, it, it, it really, it has a lot to do with, with the way you manage the team. And it has a lot to do with the accountability that you expect from the team and every person in the team. Uh, and you, you just, need to know that that's going to happen and you, you need to think about it it's not you're not going to continue and do what you did yesterday but with more people that's not going to work you need right. to think about how you're doing things differently and it's true for everything you know when you have a startup i think i, I manage a different company every six months i i if you would see stamply a year ago you wouldn't think it's the same company that stamply is today and and that requires all the time to rethink about how you're doing things and in engineering, it's it's uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. As as a founder of a company or CEO of a, you, you know, if the especially as an early stage, and then as the company grows quickly, you have to evolve with the company. You can't just manage the way you were managing when you were three people, five people, you know, twenty people, fifty. You know, you have to kind of change along with the company in order to be able to. Uh, at least, yeah. I would imagine for your board to agree to keep you on in that role. Exactly. You yeah. You, <laughs> you you even have to jump faster than the company. You have to you have to see where the company needs to be, and you already right. have to go and learn and and get all the knowledge you can in order to be that next CEO or manager. And it's true for everybody in the company. I mean, it starts for me, but it, it's true for everybody. Definitely. So let's let's get to the last question that I have here before we get to the lightning round, and this was an interesting uh, thing that I that I that I learned was that you believe that new startups should be aiming for mid market, middle market uh, companies and not enterprise when they're when they're just getting started. Why is that? Yeah, so so it's it's a uh, it's a controversial statement because in a way VCs really like to invest in companies that go for the enterprise because they feel that they have more control there, they have relationships, they can be helpful, uh, and you can show really uh, quick traction with some substantial revenues when you go to the enterprise. But I think that it's actually not the right approach today, and and I think that we're already seeing this in the market. Because today, if you look at the type of solutions that are coming from the mid-market, they're, uh, they're much, more, much better fine-tuned because they're focusing on a, on, a, on a niche over a very specific area. They're focusing on how well they can integrate with the rest of the ecosystem that you have as, as a customer. And they're, 
because of the fact that they need to cater for a much larger number of customers with, with similar problem that cannot now invest, you know, a lot of money and a lot of time in implementation and customization and redesign of, of the product or how they use the product. So companies that, that cater for that market, they force themselves to find solutions that can adjust themselves to the need of the customer really quickly. And eventually what you see is solutions that are just much better. And then it's very easy to go with that solution up market to the enterprise because enterprises start to see that, hey, they're using something very old school and clunky where they paid like 10x from what the mid market is using. And suddenly they see that what the mid market is using actually is much better and much more quality and much cheaper. And requires less, you know, uh, efforts to 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 maintain over over time. So and and on the other way, it just doesn't work. You don't see solutions that were built for the enterprise that can go to the mid market because the mid market will never allow themselves to go through a six month of implementation and management commitment and all that kind of good stuff that you need when you are implementing for, you know, uh, an enterprise company. So you, you, you see more and more companies that go up market from the mid market. You don't see almost any company that go from the enterprise to the mid market, which is actually quite limiting for them. And they have to struggle with the competition that comes from all these companies that went to the mid market and go and fight them when they go up. So right. uh, I, I think I think this is this is the trend today. And you see more and more solutions that are actually coming uh, that way. And I, I, I think that's what we're going to see in the future. You're, you, you will see that all these companies that develop frameworks that then you need a lot of customization, they will start to disappear because it just doesn't make any sense anymore for companies to spend so much and to get so little. Yeah, I, I look, I, I can't say I disagree with that analysis. I think, in fact, one of the things I would like to add I think uh, to this is that, especially if you're an early stage company and you're pitching your product to an enterprise and uh, company, uh, you, chances are they're they're going to have requests, right? They're going to have requirements. They're going to you know they're going to want you to do something to your product that you may not have planned for um, in order yeah. to, to close a deal, and that requires you kind of moving around your product roadmap to to meet their request right so and and that's something you have to decide is that something you want to do to get their business or is that you know not interesting to you that's not the right path for your for you and your company and that's a hard decision especially when they're waving big dollars around in your face um but ultimately it may not be what's in the best interest for the company long term so it's it's definitely i, I agree you don't see many enterprise first uh pieces of software go down into the mid-market and probably in, in large part for that very reason um you know yeah uh, so i i 100 agree yeah and, and and just to add to that i think if you take just what you said it's it's a mindset thing so if the entrepreneur now has the mindset of i'm building something that's going to serve hundreds of these customers and not just 10 of them so you're you're thinking about the problem in a different way then if you're now thinking about, okay, I'm, I need that customer and I would just need a few more to go to my next step. And then you're thinking about the problem more like a project problem. Okay, so I will, I will build a framework and I will look at it as a project. And then you have a service intensive solution that will only fit this kind of customers. But if you're thinking about the mid-market from the beginning, you're saying, okay, 
I get it. This is a problem you have. I need to think how I can cater for that together with other problems that others have without the need to actually rebuild the product as, as, a, as a project company eventually. And, and that's exactly the mindset that creates the best solutions today. And that's a lot of the things that we're doing in Stamply is that how we solve that problem and, and why we can implement today Stamply without an implementation project is because we use the system and the processes to learn what they need to learn by themselves without the need to sit with you now for three months and ask you questions and redesign things to fit what you need. And, 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 and it's a mindset thing. And if you're coming with the right mindset from the beginning, you will build this kind of a solution. Absolutely. I, th I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, I, uh, I, I think that's exactly right. And uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. So we've made it. So, well, Ayal, uh, you made it through uh, the, 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 major the majority of this uh, episode. So now we're actually at the lightning round, which is a lot of fun. So whenever you're ready, let me know and we'll get started. I don't know if I'm ready because I don't know what to expect, but let's go. <laughs> I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be okay. What's your cure for hiccups? All right. My cure for hiccups? Yeah. Stop breathing for a while. <laughs> Define a while. How, Define how a while. Can you? How how old? How, well, I just was curious because how how long do you hold your oh, breath? Oh, a while. <laughs> I, yesterday I actually tested it I, I don't know why, ah, I know why because someone said that for the coronavirus you need to hold your breath for 10 seconds and if you can you're okay <laughs> so I, I actually held my breath for a minute and a half wow that's really good, <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good, alright um, yeah. what's, what's the most recent show you've binge watched? Uh, Game of Thrones okay would you ever fly to the moon or another planet? I uh, I don't think so. I would love okay. to be in space a little bit and float and feel that zero gravity thing, but I I, I don't think I want to fly to Mars or the moon. Not yeah, soon. Not, it's not on your bucket list, it seems. <laughs> no, not not right now. Okay. I have some other locations in the in our globe that I still want to visit. Fair enough. Would you? What would you do if you were invisible for a day? Wow. <laughs> Scare my kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good answer. I like that. We'll go with that. We can go, we can go, we can definitely go with that. That's good. All right, last question for you here. Right. Should toilet paper hang over or under? Uh, so I know the answer and it should be over and yes. I know the answer because our our uh, our VP of product just recently uh, take uh, printed the, the patent of toilet paper and put it in our <laughs> office uh, wall so everybody understands when they put the toilet paper the other way around <laughs> how yeah, it should be. They're being publicly shamed for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very cool. And I, I also figured it was timely because of, you know, toilet papers off, you know, flying off the shelves these days. Um, Isn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it uh, I just want to yeah, so I just want to say thanks again for being on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think this was a really great conversation and also timely, especially with, with everything that's going on right now with the pandemic and the coronavirus uh, and, and working from home and, and all that stuff. And it's it's critically important that, you know, businesses be able to manage their invoices, uh, you know, much more effectively. And I think, like you pointed out, 
it's clearly something that was a very convoluted process. And now with, with Stamply, you guys are really trying to ease that pain and, and make it a more streamlined thing. Yeah, and, 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 and also in the, in, in the spirit of, of where we are today and, what, and what's happening today, it's, it's quite uh, overwhelming to see. We have, we have a lot of prospects coming in now. Help us now because we can implement really quickly. And for them, it's the opportunity to, to be able to work from home also with their invoices and accounts payable. So we see that happening today. And uh, it's, it's, it's great to see how we can help companies really quickly to, to change the way they work and also do the work from home around accounts payable. So that's also Amazing. very exciting for us. Yeah. So if anyone, uh, I just wanted to uh, get out. So if anyone uh, who's listening wants to get in touch with you, What's or uh, learn more about Stamply? What's the best way for them to do that? So we have our website, which is uh, has a lot of information, and I'm happy to answer any email. My email is al e y a l at stamply dot com. So happy to Great. to answer any question, and thank you very much for uh, hosting me on on the show today. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, oh, thanks, y'all. I I really appreciate you again you being on. I had a lot of fun, and I look forward. Uh, to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash best techie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.